well, well, look who has returned to the M. Black's Test Prep Podcast. Well, I guess it's me, and it's you. Hopefully it's you. Uh, you might be a new listener. Welcome to the M. Black's Test Prep Podcast. My name is David. I am your host on this wonderful journey through the world of the Massage and Bodywork Licensing Exam. Before we begin, of course, I do have study guides available. Just visit mblackstestprep.com. You can view all of my study guides. I have one dedicated towards the MBLAX. I have a study guide with 10 MBLAX practice tests and pre-made flashcards inside of it. All you have to do is cut them out. Just grab some scissors, go to work. You're done in five minutes. Then you got pre-made flashcards. I also have another book. Kinesiology Made Easy, so if you're having a little trouble with kinesiology or anything like that, uh, the bony landmarks, muscles, origins, insertions, etc., etc., that's the book to get. That'll really help. So we will take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, we'll begin. Welcome back. So today we are going to talk about uh, parts of the peripheral nervous system. So in the nervous system, we have two different nervous systems, the central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system. So the central nervous system consists of everything in the center of the body, the brain and the spinal cord. The peripheral nervous system is everything on the edges of the body, the periphery of the body, the nerves that come out of either the brain or the spinal cord. And we have cranial nerves that come out of the brain and spinal nerves that come out of the spinal cord. So today I'm not going to talk about the cranial nerves. I'm going to talk about the spinal nerves and what uh, the major spinal nerves innervate, what they control. So if a muscle is innervated by a nerve, that means that that nerve stimulates that muscle to contract. So that's all it means. It means that nerve controls that muscle. Let's take a sip of water there. See, I was using my, some of my peripheral nerves to lift up that, uh, that water bottle to take a drink of water. Okay, so we're going to talk about the spinal nerves today, which are part of the peripheral nervous system. There are 31 pairs of spinal nerves in the body, as opposed to cranial nerves. There are 12 pairs of cranial nerves, and the cranial nerves we'll talk about another day. We'll just talk about the spinal nerves today. Okay, so we'll start with where they come out. So all of these spinal nerves that come out of the spinal cord are kind of bunched up together uh, in groups. Now these, these bundles of nerves that come out of the spinal cord are called uh, a plexus. Plexi, if you want to talk about all together. So a plexus is a big bundle of nerves that comes out of a segment of the spinal cord. And we have three, maybe four, uh, depending on who you talk to, uh, plexi that you need to know. Okay, so the first one we're going to talk about comes out of the spinal cord between C1 and C4. Okay, so between cranial, the, uh, the, the 
cervical vertebrae, excuse me, cervical vertebrae 1 through cervical vertebrae 4, you have these nerves coming out, this big bundle of nerves. Okay, this plexus is called the cervical plexus because it comes out of the cervical region. That's not really true for the next one, even though it comes out of the cervical region. It's named something else. We'll talk about it. So there's really one nerve that you need to know that comes out of the cervical plexus. This nerve goes from the top of the neck all the way down and innervates the diaphragm. That's why this nerve is really important. It innervates the diaphragm. It controls our breathing. Right? This is called the phrenic nerve. Okay, P-H-R-E-N-I-C, the phrenic nerve. This nerve controls our breathing. It, it controls the diaphragm, innervates the diaphragm. So the phrenic nerve is the reason that people that are quadriplegic can't feel anything from the neck down are still able to breathe because that nerve is, is high, high, uh, high enough in the neck where even if you... Uh, have a spinal cord injury at C5 or C6, you're still able to breathe because that nerve is still controlling that muscle, still innervating that muscle. Now, chances are you can't uh, really uh, force inhalation on your own if that's the case, um, but you're still able to, to breathe. Your body will still regulate the breathing because that nerve is not affected at that point. Okay, so that's really the only nerve that you need to know that's part of the cervical plexus. Okay, the next plexus we have comes out from C5 through T1. So the second portion of the cervical vertebrae all the way down to T1. These nerves, there are five major nerves that come out of that plexus. All of these nerves go down into the arm and the forearm and the hand. And the arm is what these are named after. Now, you should definitely know your medical terminology. You should be able to tell me what the arm is called. The arm is the brachial region. Okay, so this is the brachial plexus. The nerves that come out of this plexus go into the upper limb, the arm. Okay, so we have five main nerves that innervate all these muscles in the upper limb. So we'll start with the first one. It is the smallest of uh, the five. This nerve is named after the region of the body that it actually passes through. So this nerve will come out of the neck and go down through the armpit and then wrap around the back of the shoulder onto the deltoid. And it innervates the deltoid in the teres minor. Again, named after the region of the body it passes through. It passes through the axilla. This is the axillary nerve. It passes through the armpit and, again, innervates the teres minor and the deltoid. Okay. Now, the next nerve runs down the anterior portion of the arm. Remember, we have four regions of the upper limb, the arm, forearm, wrist, and hand. This nerve does not go past the elbow. Okay. So it's only in the region of the arm. Now, I like to, uh, to call this nerve the David nerve because I like to, uh, to show off my, my huge uh, biceps, of course, because I, I lift weights, of course. Um, 
The David nerve is also called the musculocutaneous nerve because I am muscular and, I don't know, I think I'm pretty cute, personally. I mean, that's what my mom tells me, I suppose. So the musculocutaneous nerve innervates three muscles on the anterior arm. So you think about me showing you my, my huge biceps. There are three muscles in that region that that nerve innervates. So what are the three muscles going to be, do you think? as I take another sip of my water. So, of course, biceps brachii. I mean, that's pretty much the largest muscle in that, in that area. So the musculocutaneous nerve innervates the biceps brachii. There's a muscle that originates on the coracoid process, inserts onto the medial proximal shaft of the humerus, named after the coracoid process. It is coracobrachialis. That is also innervated by the musculocutaneous nerve. Then we have one muscle that is deep to the biceps. It is the strongest flexor of the elbows, the prime mover of elbow flexion. Starts with a B. It is brachialis. Okay, so biceps brachii, coracobrachialis, and brachialis are all innervated by the musculocutaneous nerve. Okay, now we're moving down onto the forearm and the wrist and the hand. Uh, we'll start on the, on the posterior side. There's a nerve that runs down the posterior side of the arm and the forearm. So the back of the arm and the back of the forearm. And it's named after one of the bones in the upper limb. Now there are only a few bones in the upper limb. I'm not talking about the, the wrist or the hand, so don't, don't start naming all the, uh, all the carpals or something. Although if you can, do it. But So this nerve innervates the back of the arm and the back of the forearm. This is the radial nerve. So any, any muscle on the posterior side of the arm or forearm is going to be innervated by the radial nerve. So think about muscles we have on the posterior side of the arm and forearm. Triceps brachii, anconius, all of the extensors of the wrist, and brachioradialis, all innervated by the radial nerve. Okay, so again, any muscle on the posterior side of the arm and forearm is innervated by the radial nerve. Okay, then we're on the anterior side of the forearm. So we have two nerves on the anterior side of the forearm that you should know. One runs along the medial side and goes into the hand. It innervates the pinky and the medial half of the ring finger. So if you compress this, you might get some numbness in the pinky and the medial half of the ring finger. Happens to me when I sleep. I, for some reason, I put too much pressure on that when I sleep. Um, I wake up and shake my hand off, try to get sensation back in there. Sometimes it works, and sometimes I'm just, I'm just paralyzed in the pinky, I guess. This is named after the bone that it runs along on the medial portion of the forearm. It is the ulnar nerve, okay? So the ulnar nerve runs down the medial portion of the forearm, innervates the pinky and the medial half of the ring finger. The next nerve, very important nerve, you should know this nerve, runs down the middle of the forearm, goes into the hand, innervates the rest of the digits, goes through the uh, carpal canal, This nerve runs down the middle of the forearm, 
It is called the median nerve. Okay, now why is the median nerve important? It's the nerve involved in carpal tunnel syndrome. So the carpal canal, the, uh, on top of the carpal canal, where all of the tendons and nerves that go into the hand uh, run through, on top of that is called the flexor retinaculum. Uh, when that contracts, when that tightens up, um, constricts, I should say, not contracts, when it constricts and tightens up, it can put a lot of pressure on everything going through the carpal canal, and that can cause carpal tunnel syndrome. You can lose sensation in the hand. It can be pretty painful. Okay. So the median nerve runs down the middle of the forearm, innervates uh, basically everything that the ulnar nerve doesn't. The lateral half of the ring finger, the middle finger, index finger, and the thumb. Okay, so those, those are the major nerves of the brachial plexus. Now something I would recommend doing maybe is drawing these on yourself and labeling them on yourself. I'm, I'm a big proponent of actually doing stuff outside the box like drawing on yourself. It really helps you identify where these things are. Now it might be a little more difficult doing on the, on the well maybe not, the lower limb, but um, yeah, do stuff like draw on yourself. That will help you remember these things. Um, and, be, you know, when it comes to the nerves and the muscles that they innervate, if you know where the nerve is, all you have to think about is the muscles that are in that area. And that gives you the answer. Like, if you know where the musculocutaneous nerve, just think about the muscles in that area. And those are the muscles that that nerve is going to innervate. It's just that easy. Okay, so we've got the cervical plexus. we got the brachial plexus. Those are done. Now we're going down to the last plexus. Some people break these up into two plexi. I consider them just one plexus, just one big bundle of nerves. It's called the lumbosacral plexus. So all of these nerves come out from all of the lumbar vertebrae and all of the sacral vertebrae, even though there's only one. You know, whatever, you get it. The sacrum and the lumbar vertebrae. All of these nerves kind of emerge from that and form the lumbosacral plexus. So again, we have... Five main nerves, maybe a little more, ah, you'll see what I'm talking about, uh, that come out of the lumbosacral plexus. So we'll start on the anterior portion of the thigh. So again, the four portions of the lower limb, thigh, leg, ankle, and foot. So we'll start on the thigh. So we have one nerve that runs down the anterior portion of the thigh, and it's named after the bone that is inside that region. So what is the bone inside the thigh? It is the strongest bone in the body, also the longest bone in the body. It is the femur. This is the femoral nerve, okay? Now, just like I said, if you know where the femoral nerve is, you should be able to figure out what muscles it innervates. Just think about muscles in that area, okay? So the femoral nerve is on the anterior portion of the thigh. What muscles are on the anterior portion of the thigh? The quadriceps, rectus femoris, vastus medialis, vastus intermedius, vastus lateralis. Okay. All four of those muscles are innervated by the femoral nerve. We've also got another muscle or two or three that are innervated by that nerve. One of them is the longest muscle in the body. Originates on the anterior superior iliac spine, inserts on the pes anserinus, all the way on the tibia. 
longest muscle in the body, it is sartorius. Sartorius is innervated by the femoral nerve. You got another muscle or two all the way up in the pelvis where this nerve starts. These muscles are responsible for flexing the hip, and that's all they do. They bring the hip up. It is iliacus and psoas major. Okay. Iliopsoas, some people call it. Okay, so just think of, again, just think about muscles that are in the area, and that tells you what muscles are innervated by that nerve. Most commonly, anyway. Okay. The next nerve runs down the medial portion of the thigh, and it's named after the structure on the pelvis that it actually passes through. So not by, it passes through it. So we're looking for a hole in a bone in the pelvis. Now a hole in a bone is called a foramen. It's a pretty big hole in that bone. It, it starts with an O. It is called the obturator foramen. Okay, so the obturator nerve passes through the obturator foramen, and you can find it on the medial portion of the thigh. So the muscles on the medial portion of the thigh are innervated by the obturator nerve. So what muscle group is on the medial portion of the thigh? This muscle group brings the thighs closer together. It is the adductor muscles. Okay, So four of the five adductor muscles are innervated by the obturator nerve. So think about our adductor muscles. What are they? Three of them start with the word adductor. Should not be too difficult to uh, figure out. One of them is longer than the other. So we have adductor longus. And the opposite of longus is brevis or brief. So adductor brevis is another one. One is named after how big it is. It is a really big muscle, big, big, big muscle. Adductor magnus. So those are three muscles right there, innervated by the obturator nerve. Then we have another muscle. It starts with a G, originates on the inferior ramus of the pubis, goes all the way down to the pes anserinus on the tibia. The longest adductor muscle, it is gracilis. Okay, so those four muscles are innervated by the obturator nerve on the medial portion of the thigh. All right, let's move over to the posterior portion of the thigh. Here's where it starts getting a little tricky. On the posterior portion of the thigh, we have a really big nerve. Okay, really big nerve. And there's a reason this nerve is so big. Because it's actually two nerves that are bundled together to make one nerve. This nerve is the sciatic nerve. Now here's what's tricky about the sciatic nerve. Some people, you might, might be asking, you know, muscles that are innervated by the sciatic nerve, or some people might ask the muscles innervated by these other nerves. It, it's just, you have to know that they'll, they'll probably specify the whatever branch of the sciatic nerve versus just regular sciatic nerve. Uh, just be aware of that, okay? So the reason the sciatic nerve is so big is because it is these two nerves that are bundled together. Once the sciatic nerve reaches the back of the knee, then it branches off into two separate nerves. They're completely 
uh, autonomous from each other. They are completely separate nerves at that point. So they, they do not interact at that point. When is the sciatic nerve, though? That nerve innervates muscles on the posterior portion of the thigh. Think about muscles on the posterior portion of the thigh, and that gives you your answer. What's on the posterior portion of the thigh? Three muscles, the hamstrings. So the order of the hamstrings from medial to lateral always, always, always go over the hamstrings in this order because it gives you that order from medial to lateral. So if you get a question on your implex asking the order of the hamstrings from medial to lateral, you got it. If you get a question on the implex asking the order of the hamstrings from lateral to medial, you just reverse it and then you got it. It's just that easy. Okay, so the order of the hamstrings from medial to lateral, semimembranosis, just match up the M in membranosis with the M in medial, semitendinosis, which sits on top of semimembranosis, and then the most lateral is biceps femoris. Okay, semimembranosis, semitendinosis, biceps femoris, all innervated by the sciatic nerve. When that nerve reaches the back of the knee, it branches off into two separate nerves. Okay. So we'll, one of those nerves, one of those nerves stays on the posterior portion of the leg. So after it crosses the knee, it enters into the leg, stays on the posterior side of the leg. It's named after the largest bone in the leg. It is the tibial nerve. Again, this is on the posterior portion of the thigh. So what muscles are on the posterior portion of the thigh? So let's just stick to the, the largest ones. Gastrocnemius and soleus are on the posterior portion of the thigh. Those are innervated by the tibial nerve. And it's not the tibial branch of the sciatic nerve anymore because, again, they have branched off. So it's just the tibial nerve. The next nerve, when it's part, it's named after, let's start with this, it's named after a bone also in the leg. Now, it's not the tibia. The other bone in the leg is the fibula, right? But the fibula, when we're using, you know, medical terminology, can, you, there can be another name associated with it. Think about muscles that attach to the tibia, or the fibula, excuse me, like peroneus longus, peroneus brevis. Peroneus means referring to the fibula. It's just a different language. You could also see fibularis longus, fibularis brevis. Those are the same thing. But in this case, it is called the peroneal nerve. Okay? When that nerve is part of the sciatic nerve, it's called the common peroneal nerve. Now, this nerve, kind of like the sciatic nerve, actually branches off into two other nerves itself. So this nerve will kind of wrap around to the side the lateral side and the anterior portion of the leg. And each one of those branches has its own separate name. So we'll start with the anterior side, the branch that goes onto the anterior side. This one is more inside the body than the other one. So let's think of our directional terms. What is the term for more internal, more inside the body? The term for more internal, more inside the body is deep. So this is the deep peroneal nerve on the anterior, the front side of the leg. And think about, I don't know, just give me one muscle that you find on the anterior portion of the leg. Tibialis anterior. 
So the deep peroneal nerve innervates the tibialis anterior. So if we have a deep peroneal nerves, remember we talk about our opposite terms. If we have one thing that's named something, we have something else in the body named the opposite, if we're using directional terms. So the opposite of deep is, so deep is more internal. What's more towards the surface? Superficial. So the other nerve, the other branch of the common peroneal nerve is the superficial peroneal nerve. And this nerve actually does run along the lateral portion of the, of the leg, right along the fibula, and it sucks getting a tattoo on this. Just don't do it. Trust me. Um, I digress. So think about the muscles that you find on the lateral side of the leg, and I already kind of mentioned they are muscles that attach to the fibula. Peroneus longus, peroneus brevis, both innervated by the superficial peroneal nerve. Okay, so that is it for all of the uh, spinal nerves that you need to know. Again, there are 31 pairs of spinal nerves in the body. If you know where the spinal nerves are, just match up the muscles in that area, and that more than likely will tell you which nerve innervates which muscle. Okay? So when we come back, question of the week. Welcome back. It is now time for question of the week. All right, this week's question. Epinephrine and norepinephrine are produced by which glands? Adrenal, pituitary, pineal, or ovaries? All right, so let's start with our key words. Epinephrine and norepinephrine. Glands is not a key word because they're all glands. Everything listed is a gland, so that's not going to be one of our key words. Okay, so epinephrine and norepinephrine are our key words. So we've got adrenal, pituitary, pineal, and ovaries. So if you know what epinephrine and norepinephrine are, you got the answer right away. Okay. But let's just go through some of these and see what they actually make and see if any of those match up. The ovaries, let's start there. Ovaries are female glands that make estrogen and progesterone, okay? So that's not it. So we can eliminate that one. The pineal gland, little acorn-shaped gland in the, uh, in the head, that makes melatonin, which helps to regulate our sleep cycle. And that is kind of the opposite of what epinephrine and norepinephrine do, which really wake us up and get us ready for, ready for action. Right, so we can eliminate that one. The pituitary gland makes growth hormone, makes follicle-stimulating hormone, and makes prolactin. So growth hormone helps us grow, right, obviously. Follicle-stimulating hormone uh, stimulates the testes and the ovaries to release testosterone and uh, estrogen and progesterone. Right? Prolactin stimulates the, the production of milk. So that's not it. So we're left with the adrenal glands. Now, 
something that's really important, and I stress this every single podcast, is you got to know your medical terminology. Just looking at epinephrine and norepinephrine, you should have been able to figure it out, uh, especially if you know where all of these glands are in the body. Epi means above. Nep means kidney. Rin means secrete. Okay? So, epi above, nep, kidney. What glands are above the kidneys, directly above, on top of the kidneys? The adrenal glands. Even the term adrenal, you can match up renal with nep. Ad means towards, like adduction brings the structure towards the midline, right? Ad means towards, renal means referring to the kidney. So it's towards the kidney, adrenal. Match it up with epineph, above the kidney. So neph and ren mean kidney. You can match those up. So make sure you are studying your medical terms. Again, your medical terminology can help you figure out these answers. Okay? So that about wraps it up. The answer is, of course, the adrenal glands. Epinephrine and norepinephrine are produced by the adrenal glands towards the kidneys, above the kidney. Okay? So like, I, like I'm saying, the, uh, that about wraps it up for today. Uh, thanks again to Stabby Unicorn and the Brian Titus Trio. And until next time, this is David saying farewell. Farewell.